Hi, I'm Dan Ellis, and I draw, play music, and interact with humanity as a whole pretty poorly. And today, I'm going to talk about The Wonder Years, the punk band from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing. How are you? I'm fine. I think you're more nervous than I am about this thing. It's good. Yeah. Um. It's gonna be a thing. It's gonna. It's gonna be a thing. Uh. Usually, well, it's hard to talk about yourself on camera, or, you know. <laughs> on on ear camera. Yes. Um. So yeah, usually I'm in the driver's seat for these kind of things, and I'm having other people uh, talk passionately about a thing that they love, but today I'm going to do that, so yeah. And uh, Gus came in, and he's going to play the part of, well, the, play the part that I would usually play um, in guiding this Tonight I am playing Dallas. <laughs> Tonight I am playing and Nervous Boy. It's fine. Yes. So, so far as my, like, bona fides to this semester, my internship is with the Oral History Research Department on my university campus. And what we do is gather oral histories. It's exactly what it sounds like. I talk to people about a certain thing, and they tell me about the thing, and I record the thing. It's a pretty cool job. It is. It's, this is kind of what I do now. Yeah, this is this is kind of perfect for for you're kind of perfect for me to have come in here and do this because this is kind of what you're doing anyway. Yeah, I do my best, man. Awesome. Oh, so if you hear like a crash noise, it's because I have a very large cat and he is oh jumping on my lap. Okay, we're fine. There you go. Have you you haven't seen this cat in a while? He weighs like fourteen pounds. This is a large boy. He's a very large cat. He, uh, he was son. not that large when I saw him, but yeah, I, I assume he's quite a bit bigger now. It's been a, it's been yeah, it's been too long since we hung out. Yes, I agree. We'll fix that. So- you shortly. need to just like come out here somehow. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We're no. here to talk about the Wonder Years. Yes, not the TV so- show with Fred Savage. No, thank God, because I don't know anything about that show. Um, I know a little bit more about the Wonder Years. I don't know when they first came out, and I don't know when you first got into them. How'd you find them? Uh, well, I found them because uh, me and a friend of mine at the time drove down to... Uh, I live closer to the Tulsa area in Oklahoma. Uh, that's where both of us are from. And I drove down to Oklahoma City to see the band Fireworks play. Uh who I am a, I'm, I'm wearing a fireworks t-shirt right now as luck would have it um, I'm a big fan of them and <laughs> man I, man I wish they hadn't broke up because man they make some good shit um, but they were on tour of the Wonder Years at the time and they were touring off of uh, fireworks was touring on I think gospel it was right before gospel came out or right after gospel came out and that record is fucking incredible um, but the Wonder Years were touring on 
I believe what we're going to call their first record because uh, <laughs> their their actual first record I'm not a huge fan of, which is okay apparently because neither is the band. So like that works out. <laughs> um, yeah, don't look at my freshman year artwork. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Um, exactly. I yeah, I feel that where. <laughs> You've done something in your youth. That, well, I, as this as the lore goes, I guess they were kind of a sh- they didn't really take it seriously what they were doing at the time. So when they put that record out, oh. and then they started taking themselves a bit more seriously. And when they did, I kind of caught on to the whole thing. Um, actually, a little after that because that record was already out by the time I found them. Anyway, so I went down there mm-hmm. uh, to see fireworks. And I saw the Wonder Years play, and they were pretty good. Uh, they didn't really immediately blow me away when I first saw them. I thought they were just fine, uh, strangely. Um, and then after that, uh, me and friend at the time actually went over to your house, um, and we hung out there, I think, for a bit before we headed back to the Tulsa area, where I was living at the time. Oh, did you? Uh, go ahead. Oh, is that when I was in Stillwater before I moved to California? I believe so. Like right before you. Man, that was the, that was a hot second ago. Twenty eleven. I moved. Yeah, I moved out to California after my first bachelor's degree in twenty eleven. So yeah, I'm, I was going to ask to put a date on that. So that ties in nicely. We had just started talking again then too. Yes. Pro- was it 2010 or 2011? I don't remember when we started talking, but I know I moved out there in, like, right right as fall was starting in 2011. So maybe yes. 20... I think we did start talking in 2010, but just toward the end of it. That sounds about right. Um, I know... Yeah. <laughs> I we didn't were, realize I was, this was all like at the same time. Yeah, it was all kind of around the same time. We had been we had already been hanging out for a bit whenever this kind of this happened. But when we first started talking again, I texted you out of the blue one day um, on the way back to my house from Tulsa, and oh. then we hung out at a mutual friend from high school's house one day. Yeah. And I think Scott Pilgrim was on, uh, and Paprika got watched, and it was, it was something. I don't even, I, gun to my head, I would say I'd never seen Paprika. I think I was very stoned. Maybe. Had you? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Did. No, I think you're right. I think I was just stoned. Probably. Uh, given where we were hanging out, probably. Yeah, and I was smoking a lot at that point. I was very depressed until I could get moved out of Oklahoma because I had just come out as a transsexual, and Oklahoma is not a great place to come out as a transsexual, especially in 2011. So I moved to California, yeah. and that worked out. Sort Oklahoma is not a good place to come out. Period. <laughs> period. Yeah, basically. Yeah, much less as a trans person. <sighs> yeah, it's easier if you look straight. Which is why when I went to the rodeo, I was like, we should go. I'm going to get murdered. 
Oh so yeah, you you was you you went to a rodeo recently, and I was like, why would you do this? <laughs> I love the rodeo. I don't love getting hate crimed, so I watched a couple <laughs> events and then beat an expedient retreat. Sure. Look, there's a gay rodeo. What? Using hate crime as a, a hate crime as a verb. Maybe. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. It's just it was, it was amusing to hear it as a verb. The situation isn't <laughs> funny, but the the terminology was. It was kind of funny though. I got in the car and she got in the car and we closed the door. This is with the beer lesbian, by the way, who okay. is also either an eleven year old boy or visibly a homosexual. So we were both like, ah! <laughs> and we just screamed as we ran away in the car with the windows up. That's so that was fine. We, we survived. Yeah. It was a good time, actually. But that was like 2011 when you, I didn't realize that was the first time you'd seen the Wonder Years. You didn't even talk about them. No, I didn't because they didn't really, they honestly didn't really blow me away because uh, I was seeing, like, they had a good live show, but, like, live you miss, it, miss out, I think, um, or at least I did. I missed out on a lot of the nuance as to, of what they were doing. They just sounded like another pop punk band to me um, whenever I saw them fireworks. Yeah. And I thought fireworks was, was, I still, I don't know. If you, I don't know. I think it, it's hard for me to say which one of those bands is better. I know which one that I spend more time with now, but I, I Fireworks might have the more solid catalog. Like, everything everything that I think Dave Mackinder uh, talks about on this record, the, like the lyricist and vocalist for Fireworks, you don't see mm-hmm. pop up onto Wonder Years records, that kind of writing, until afterwards. So it seems very obvious to me that, because uh, like, they're, they're all friends, so it seems very obvious that one is influencing the other. And uh, well, Fireworks is kind of ahead of well, the curve there. The Wonder Years is kind of a younger band, isn't it? Well, uh, they're our age. Okay, how old is Fireworks? Also around our age. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> My hypothesis <laughs> is incorrect. Uh, they might be a little bit older, I'm not sure. I haven't Googled everybody in their band's birth date, um, so... I'm not sure, but that Honestly, seems... I'm surprised at you. Oof, well, I'm not... What? Defend yourself, nerd. <laughs> uh, I'm not... I'm absolutely obsessive about the media I enjoy, um, but I'm not a- obsessive about the people making it personal lives. Um, so I'm not like... I, I'm down to hear that stuff on podcasts and hear them talk about their ex- experiences and shit, obviously. But, like, I don't... Mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not the person at a Backstreet Boys concert, uh, like, talking about, like... Their signs. See, like, yeah, like... I was going to give a more clear example, but then I realized I don't know any of the Backstreet Boys' names. Um, I, <laughs> Lance is the gay one. Lance is Lance, always the gay Lance one. Is the gay there are one. no that's, heterosexuals. That's all I know. Um, I am never taking you to like pop culture quiz night. That would be awful. Well, like it well, depends on the pop culture. It might be amazing, actually. Yeah, Sometimes, it might be I a good I'm a more... because I know useless facts. 
Yeah, I feel like sometimes I'm a little more with it than you on that stuff, but not always. Because, like, you just... like Oh, 100%. You wallow in junk show cinema and, like, the X-Files and shit, and, like... Look, I don't know. I watch, I like, normal American... <laughs> you do. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't gone to see Venom. As of, as of this recording, everyone, the movie Venom just came out, and it looks horrible, but Gus's boyfriend it's swears so up and down as a good friend. <sighs> <laughs> my boyfriend has already seen it and he's like yes and he yep. also loves to roll in trash so I'm pumped for this shit does. show yeah Look, it looks like a why do you think we like each other uh, well you're you're both incredibly gay artists so I figure that had something to do with it but rolling around in trash in your free time the king to probably doesn't pile. yes <laughs> no no we get along. It's okay. I like him, I okay. guess. No, he's if good. You, so, if you have to. anyway, I've been... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I suppose. If anybody had to be the mortician to my Gomez, it would be him. So, anyway, how did you get into the Wonder Years, then? You heard them. That's all we've heard so far. That doesn't tell me oh, shit. Well, yeah. So, like, um, then uh, I went back home after that show. And I never, I really didn't listen to them until probably several months later. And this would have been, goodness, um, it would have been in closer to 20, it would have been like late summer, early fall 2012 when I actually got into them proper. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, because the person I went to that show with had picked up some of their music and will say air quotes lent me copies of them digitally uh and uh-huh. i feel fine i own all these fucking records on vinyl now um but but yeah i got <laughs> from then uh the upsides was the record that they were touring on at the time when i saw them with fireworks and then the record that really got me hooked on them was suburbia i've given you all and now i'm nothing which is uh, straight up, just like an appropriated sort of Ginsberg quote, and he's like my favorite beat poet, or at least oh. was in my twenties. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't revisited that in a while. So there may be some stuff that doesn't jive with me anymore. But I really dug uh, it in my twenties. Bad news about Ginsberg. Okay, um, <laughs> you There's should look few... him up again sometime. Oh no, no, no! I know the whole Nambla thing, and ugh, gross. <laughs> But yeah, goddamn vomiting. <laughs> I know, I know. He still wrote good poetry. Sorry. I know. Yeah, I'm not making any excuses yeah. for that. But I, but like in terms of like pointing, like as, as far as the punching up and his left wing politics go, I'm down with that. So there. Yeah, that's what I'm digging yeah, into. I not the I, not the I want to touch young boys bullshit. Yeah, not great. Yeah, anyway, not good. Bad news. People like the Lovecraft guy too, and he was oh, a he's racist as xenophobe. Fuck. Yeah, God, he's awful. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he's awful. Oh, what a wiener. Yeah, I want to like that stuff because that like the weird creature existential horror shit's totally my vibe. But yeah, the dude's just such a garbage dump that I can't. That knowing that prior yeah. to going into it, I can't enjoy it. Like, if I had experienced his stuff first and then found that out, it'd probably be a little easier for me to stomach it. 
Well, sort of, because I was really into it for a minute, and then I found out about it, and I was like, all those stories make much more sense now that I know they're just about foreigners. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, these horrible fish creatures from beyond. Mr. Lovecraft, those are Asians. Calm down. Jesus. Just because they can swim and you can't doesn't make them monsters. You wiener. Okay. (laughs) Wiener. Yeah. So it was... Go ahead. (laughs) No, that's all. That's all I have. He's a wiener. He's a wiener. So yeah, it was suburbia where I kind of... The bank. (laughs) Suburbia is the record that I kind of jumped onto. um, And really resonated with me at the time because uh, the first the first like the whole record is set up uh, as like a parallel to that um, to the Ginsberg poem America uh, which Uh starts out with America I've given you all now nothing and it it takes they're like just chunks of that piece by Ginsberg thrown into it or referenced Mm -hmm. otherwise throughout that record and I really dig that um uh, yeah, so it was kind of this weird, like, like smashing together of things that, like, uh, of, like, uh, this music genre that I love that people my age are supposed to outgrow, I guess, but was really speaking to a lot of the shit that I was dealing with at the time, and then, like, this beat poet that I really dug his work of that they were referencing, and, like, this kind of political stint that jived with me, plus, like... Like, uh, the... The lyricist and uh, vocalist for Wonder Years, uh, Dan Soupy Campbell. Dan Campbell, his uh, he deals with a lot of like depression, anxiety stuff. Uh, oh, I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing at the word Soupy. Soupy. I forgot his name. Yes. Was Soupy Campbell. Yeah, I, d- I don't so think he uses that very depression. often now. But his last name's Campbell, so guess where that came from. But yeah, like he yeah. he talks a lot about uh, just his like the mental illness stuff he struggles with, which is also stuff that I struggle with. And uh-huh. it, it doesn't ever feel hackneyed or, uh, like, it doesn't feel, at least to my ear, um, performative in any aspect. Um, like, obviously mm-hmm. they're performing their music, but it doesn't feel, it feels like it's coming from a place that is genuine and is not, it doesn't feel theatrical. Yeah, it doesn't seem, it doesn't yes. fetishize it. It talks about it in really real terms, I feel like. So yeah, Um, it and it kind of struck a chord with me. That first song on that record talks about uh, having to like put all the shit in boxes and move back home, and uh, like from the apartment that he was staying in at the time. And that's what I was doing in late 2012 after uh, being subjected to some pretty bad gaslighting and a lot of drug use uh, at the apartment that I was in at the time. So then I ended up moving back home, and my whole, like, support structure at that time fell out from underneath me. Uh, And it was just... It just... It hit... I got to it just right at the right time, when I really needed it. And it kind of carried me through at least that fall, uh, when things were pretty messy. That and re-watching Evangelion over and over again, because I hate myself. (laughs) love to suffer pretty much how was your mental health going at that point as you were watching eva over and over again not not good um not Mm. good (laughs) obviously uh i i think like 
Yeah. Not great. <laughs> Um, because this episode is probably going to be as much about my health as it is about the Wonder Years, because they're kind of entwined in, as far as my life goes. Yeah. Um, I was living, and I touched a bit of this uh, on this a bit in some other episodes, particularly the ones with Spryguard. I kind of alluded to this, and I mentioned it earlier in this episode, is I was living with uh, a group of people who were uh, systematically kind of gaslighting me. And, uh, which, if for people who aren't familiar with the terminology, is like, like convincing you that your the things you're trying to address or that things that are happening aren't happening. They're trying to like, they're trying to make you have to be crazy. Um, yeah. And not so many, which is, I mean, that's not the PC way of saying that, but uh, just broadly, uh, colloquially, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. So, like, the kind of idea uh, with gaslighting is that you're trying to, or somebody is trying to tell you that your reality is not actually reality, word. and their reality is. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, hey, go on. If you if you live in the United States, my mom right, works in mental health. She does. I love your mom. Your mom's great. <laughs> um. She's very good. Yeah. If you if you live in the United States, you understand what gaslighting is because. It's fucking happening everywhere right now. Anyway. No. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that is what was going on at the time. And then um, it kind of all came to a head when after, like, months and months of this. Uh, and we also had really bad bed bugs. So I wasn't sleeping very well, uh, which just Ooh. added to the whole thing. Um, and... Uh, I know yeah. the last night, the night before I moved out, I went to, to get drinks with um, some friends of mine. Uh, my friend, I went out to get drinks with my friend Eric, who I have not talked to in a long time, and his, at the time, wife, who has since passed on. Uh, oh. I went and I got some drinks with them, and then I came back to an empty apartment, and everybody had gone down to Oklahoma City to go do stuff uh, without me uh, for the umpteenth however many times and uh nobody had mentioned anything was going on so it was like everybody else in that kind of friend group was like doing things around like I was being cut out of that whole situation and these were kind of the only friends I had uh to lean on and uh yeah at that point I got home I from the bar Found out what was going on. I talked to uh, a friend of ours, former stepbrother. That that marriage has has not lasted, but they were at one time related, and they still kind of see each other that way. Uh, who was a good friend of mine. Oh. Um, and talked to them about it, and they didn't really they they didn't really respond uh, the way they probably should have um, and then and and they didn't later on when I was trying to patch things up and kind of be as adult as possible about it while still prior prioritizing mental health um, but I got home I finished a bottle of of sake I believe of some alcoholic beverage <laughs> um, oh um, and went to lay down um 
next to the kitchen, not on the couch, because the couch that I was sleeping on was just riddled with bed bugs. Uh, so I was sleeping on the floor at the time to try and put some distance between me and them, but they just follow you. Like, fucking bed bugs don't care. They'll... Oh. So, yeah. Um, so then I, like, just... I just kind of fell asleep that night uh, amidst a panic attack, just, like, shaking there. And then I... I had decided amidst all that and what was the first panic attack that I had had in probably a, like a good decade at that time um, that I needed to get the fuck out of there because this was super unhealthy. Um, so then I did and I got up that next morning and I started packing all my stuff up uh, and one of uh, another person that we were sharing the apartment with I confronted him about it and I told him everything that was going on and like kind of like I chewed him out about it and I was like like doing all this stuff and I was and his response was it, it's not a big deal which was just further gaslighting <laughs> um, because I literally just told you why all of it was a big deal um, so then I kind of snapped on him as one does whenever mm-hmm. you're pushed kind of to the to the brink of uh, what one person should be subjected to uh, psychologically and so I pushed him up against the door mm-hmm. and I threatened to kick his ass and then he while while backed against a wall and running and then, like he was backed against a wall his door to his room he called me a wuss he didn't use that word but he used a a gendered term for wuss and then hid behind the door um and then I, oh. I packed my stuff up, and I called my dad, and we moved back to... I moved back into my parents' house. Um, so, yeah, uh, that uh, record that starts... To bring us back around to the, the Wonder Years, a record like Suburbia, which starts with a song about that sort of uh, thinking you were, you were moving the right direction in life, and you had, you know, your feet were, like... You had your feet on the ground, and you were moving forward, and... You're making progress, and you had a place of your own, and then to be, like, jettisoned back to, like, living at your parents' house? Uh, mm-hmm. Hashtag relatable content. It seems like... Go ahead. Yeah, seems like that would be hashtag relatable content. Yeah, definitely. Is that... Had you already listened to the album before that, or did you come across it kind of again? It was... After you just moved back in. It was right around that time. Um, it was shortly before it happened. Shortly before it was oh. when I got into it. Um, so, and they they had asked me a month prior, they're like, hey, if you want to move out early, if you want to, like, and if you want to, like, move out early and try and find, like, an, like that's cool, too, like, like subtly trying to suggest that I should I should leave, um, so like uh-huh. it wasn't like I was bailing on them, and I left what money I had for, uh, for rent uh, that was the remainder of rent, and for uh, some uh, repairs to the apartment that needed to be done. Um, not out of not not out of that the, the kerfuffle or anything. Like there was no broken walls or anything quite so dramatic, <laughs> but there was stuff that needed to be taken care of. Uh, which I also uh, was a party to, but there was a lot of dissociation happening 
around that that kind of led to why there were repairs, but I don't want to go into that. Um, so you've just moved back into your parents' house and you have this album. How's your health? It's fine. Uh, it, it really is fine until the next spring. The Like that whole, like, my mental health wasn't great, but my physical health was, was fine. Uh, I was having a lot of panic attacks. Yeah, it seems like you were in really good physical shape. Yeah, physically I was oh. fine, but like, but mentally I was not. <laughs> um, and then this seems bad. Yeah, yeah, it seems bad. And so like I'm <laughs> uh, from there I'm coming to grips with like panic attacks for the first time in in years since I was young. Um, when I was like having like rapture Did dreams. You have, oh, hang on. What the fuck? Were you having panic attacks as a child about the rapture? Absolutely. I was raised in the 90s. And End Times Theology was fucking oh. everywhere. Oh, yeah. The Left Behind series was real big, too, huh? Yeah. And that gave us visuals to go along with all our fears. Oh, yeah. Um, the church you were raised in was pretty um, conservative, wasn't it? Yes. Very like- conservative evangelical upbringing. Started Free Will Baptist and slowly shifted to mainline evangelical over the years. Oh. That's scary. How was that? It was... You were there for some of it, but it wasn't great. A little bit. Uh, I... It's one of those things where, like... It's like being raised in any other abusive environment where everything becomes so normalized that you don't see how fucked up things are until you kind of can step outside of it. Oh, like a cult. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, a little bit like a cult. Who knew? Um, So, yeah. Uh, And very authoritarian sort of stint there where... Uh, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't question those older than you. You didn't question those in positions of power. Uh, George Bush was ordained by God to take the office of presidency and all that kind of shit. Oh, um, not fun. That's buck wild. It was something. Okay. So you were having panic attacks as like a kid, kid. Uh, as like a teenager. Oh, oh, okay, that lines that's up. Like, like 12-year-old, yeah. That, that's not a teenager, that's a baby. Well, you were a fetus. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, like early teens, like... Okay, like Goonies I, age. Yeah, I, like, I remember learning about eclipses in science class in middle school. Like, I remember learning about a yeah. lunar eclipse and that one was coming soon... And because of, like, verses about the moon turning to blood, I was sure the world was going to end. Oh. How was that? Not good. <laughs> it went about, seems, as you would imagine. Yeah, it seems bad. Yeah, so. So, like, I'm still wrapping my head around you being, like, having a rapture panic attack. That's so much and that's so like iconic somehow it's uh it is not it is something that i have learned in recent years i was not alone in experiencing but yeah it's it's a weird thing because like uh even if like if (laughs) religion's a whole other tangent um okay but but yeah it's a whole 
it was a lot. Um, and I'm not I'm not shy on my views about those things, particularly uh, evangelical American evangelical Christianity. I'm not a not a fan uh, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, as it's become. It is straight up a like a socio political movement. It's not a religious. It's not even a religious thing. I have some leftist Christian friends that uh, I love dearly. And I'm 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 totally down with them um, because they're not it's not propaganda, <laughs> um, and it's yeah. it's more of a personal thing. And they're still like it's like they're still good people. Um, but yeah, uh, especially the fucking state that our our country is in right now. Like there's, uh, we don't have time for me to to whip out my it's always sunny in Philadelphia charts and show you how like. String, string pieces of red string together to different tacks on the board and go to see it all makes sense because this shit's been in the working for a while um which sounds yeah which sounds fucking batshit like in the just when you when you put it that way it, yeah like it sounds pretty batshit yeah. crazy but like but no <laughs> like uh very much like nationalist like white sort of like ultra conservative authoritarian politics were very much like a part of my upbringing like I saw I I 100% understand how we are in the position we are in today because I lived through like the I've lived through that stuff in its uh, in this like gestation period it feels like let's see there's that there's that um how was your health at that point? Like, it started to get bad not too long after it you got, moved back in with I your got, parents. I got sick in spring of 2013. I got sick the week of 420. Uh, no! Yeah, I got sick the, like a few days prior to that because I still went to somebody else. Man, that was a, that was a fucking weird... That was a weird thing. Um, man, I did so many fucking drugs in my 20s. Um... <laughs> I don't think you've told me this story. Uh, well... What happened on, like, the week of 420? I got... Well, I got... I came home from smoking... Marijuana! Um, that night. <laughs> and... I started vomiting profusely, and, uh... Uh-oh. Emptying myself in other ways. And I was really, uh-huh. like, disoriented... And I started having a panic attack in the midst of all this, like... Fun. And I'm still, like, lit as a son of a bitch. Um, oh, no. So it was just... It was pretty fucking awful. And then I went to the doctor the next day, and we tried to get in, like, the, uh... Through, uh, Creek Nation. Uh, because, again, mm-hmm. I live in Oklahoma. And I Everybody here, uh, as a side effect of just fucking colonialism has a little bit of some branch of Native American in them. Uh, so I was going through uh, Native Health Services. Uh, yep. and then I went, we call it the Indian Clinic. We call it an Indian Clinic. I recognize that that's not the best nomenclature, but that's how it is referred to colloquially. Yes. Um, so, yes. I go there and uh, I don't think we get in the first day. And then, like, we stop and get Arby's, right. and I vomit Arby's up on the way after I get home. And then, uh, 
which I mean, it's fucking Arby's, so people. Yeah, prob- not all that surprising, honestly. <laughs> yeah, people probably vomit that up without being sick. Um, oh, for sure. Shaded Arby. There goes our Arby sponsorship. No. Look, just because it comes back up doesn't mean I don't want to try. Arby's come back. <laughs> Arby's come back. Arby's come back. <laughs> <laughs> you can lay all the meat. Yes. Um, uh, anyway. So yeah, um, I got sick there, and a few <laughs> days later was 420, so I went with uh, one of the aforementioned people from the apartment who I was smoothing things over with at the time uh, to another friend of ours' house to celebrate the holiday, and they ordered pizza. Uh-huh. And so I ate some pizza, uh-huh. and we made tie-dye uh-huh. shirts that day. And uh, I probably oh, came off. Fine. I came off way too creepy. I assume to another chick that was there, uh, who, oh, no. who was no. who was recently single, and uh, I was just a sad, lonely Dallas. <laughs> oh no! Uh, so yeah, uh, um, I'm still stuck on you, like eating pizza and making tie dye shirts on 420. That's yeah. very good. In fact. But then having like weird reactions and like mini panic attacks in the bathroom where I had to just kind of go there and sit for like 30 minutes at a time. Cool. Yeah, totally Ugh, cool. That sucks. It was me like, it was me still trying to do these things that I enjoyed doing, but my body not like being on board anymore for it. Uh, no, I have, it seems like body is not on board. No. Um, so from there, just I slowly am able to eat less and less of things, uh, to where like red meats and stuff are the first to go, and uh, a lot of just like my my favorite food. Like I can't I couldn't do pizza fairly early on because or like burgers. Those were like the kind of like super American food. All that shit had to go almost immediately. Um. Yeah. Like, I'm still pretty healthy, and pizza and burgers are still kind of tough for me sometimes, so that's not surprising that they were the first to go. Sure. So then... Yeah. Yeah, that happens, and then uh, the Wonder Years at this time are putting out their new record. At, oh. Uh, or put, at that time, their new record was... The Greatest Generation came out that spring of... 2013 um, uh-huh and uh, <clears throat> in the midst of all my anxiety kind of at the same time as all this yes so like yeah. in the midst of all of this like my anxiety being the worst that it had ever been uh that song Passing Through a Screen Door came out which I talked about a little bit on the Sprite Guard episode mm-hmm. uh where they I was 26 at the time when that song came out and uh the that there's the line in the bridge talking about uh, the whole the whole song deals with anxiety and I, I'm I'm retreading some ground here but because it's relevant to the the subject at hand uh, it's it's talking about whenever you get into uh, living with anxiety is like uh, how's how do you, how do I put this. To people who maybe don't suffer from the same kind of anxiety that I do, where it's just debilitating dread. It's just your whole fucking body is scared, and there's usually no good reason for it. 
like 99% of the time, and there's not even tangentially a logical reason for your body to be reacting the way it does. So, like, um, that that song particularly deals with... And I still think it might be the best song they've ever written, and I don't know if that's just because it speaks so closely to me, or actually from, like, a writing perspective I'm critiquing it properly, but it still feels... <laughs> it still feels true that that might be the best song they've written to date. It's definitely the one that knocks me on my ass the hardest, I think. There's a couple... There's a, there's There's at least a couple on every record that are able to hit me so hard that they pull a genuine emotional response out of me whenever I listen to them. And I have listened to these records hundreds of times each. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one, but passing through a screen door in particular, is talking about how uh, I guess it deals primarily with a sort of social anxiety, but also just just, bo- just a baseline anxiety. And it's also speaking about... Mm-hmm. Uh, spoke very much to my situation because I had, again, moved back home the previous fall and was stuck at my parents' house. Uh, And I'm going to pull up some lines from the song proper so I'm not misquoting. But it's talking about... It it captures that feeling of A, like just being terrified of everything and always feeling like you Mm -hmm. have to have a plan B. Like you always have to be eyeing the door. Like, there always needs to be a way for you to get out of whatever situation you're in, and you have to plan around your mental health like that. Yeah. And simultaneously, it's speaking to the situation of, like, spinning your tires, where you're looking around you and you see how all everybody else in your age group is kind of progressing, and you're not. And they're in. They're either in like long-term relationships, or they have kids on the way, or they have like a career, or like they're pursuing a degree. And you're just kind of, you're you're not, you're not. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it. Here, I'm gonna pull some lines up real quick, and then. Oh, I thought that's what you were doing. I'm sorry. I was, but it's hard for me to do more than one thing at a time right now. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's always hard for me to do more than one thing at a time. What's the opposite of a multitasker? Because I'm that. As, as our parents. But it's, yeah. Um, so, music has always been a pretty emotional experience for you, hasn't it? Was yes. There- and I think is honestly because of the because of the environment that I grew up in, where like you simultaneously That's exactly what I was gonna ask. Yeah, because I think simultaneously it it teaches you that you have to be like I think this is why I, I interact with things the way I do. It's just it's so much of that of the evangelical culture that I was steeped in. Because you have to be mm-hmm. they want you to be super authentic and they want you to be the they want you to be the same person on Saturday that you are on Sunday. Those sort of things. And then at the same time, you're constantly supposed to be projecting like the best version of yourself because they don't want you to appear human. Uh, they wouldn't ever call it that, but they always like you, you have to constantly compartmentalize everything. Um, and so mm-hmm. whenever I got out of that environment, all that shit kind of mm-hmm. broke loose. And now uh, 
I like that that need to be earnest is still there because that's the only way I know how to interact with things. But simultaneously, I don't have that part of me that's just shoving shit down. Um, and music was really the only release in that time period for those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I gravitated to a lot of the music that I did. That's because reasonable. It, it offered that okay. outlet. It wasn't always the most tactful stuff through my teen years. I listened to some pretty shitty music. Uh, but I think we all did. But also, like, there's still records that I found when I was 12 years old that I will still listen to that are great records. Oh. So, I guess it kind of cuts both ways. <laughs> you should just make a. You should make an all-time faves list of recommendations for people. Like these records are good. I would like that. They would. I feel like you've done that on Twitter a couple times. Maybe. I feel like that. Like nobody would like what I post. Um, because. I don't know. I think everybody that I interact with. Well. On in general. Just nobody listens to the same music that I do. A and B, they all like have preconceived notions about a lot of the genres that I listen to. That kind of have been drugged through the ringer uh, over the last sure. decade. Have you considered trusting people? Um, that doesn't go so great for me. <laughs> um, but uh, like I'm. I'm down to talk about why I don't trust people, uh, obviously, and I'm, but like, I don't know. I'm always a pretty open person, but at the same time, I I always you feel like I have not to. Uh, at the same time. Well, I have to. I feel like I have like, to preface. Every, I have to like qualify why I like the things I like, um, because we've come through this age of irony, where like it's mm-hmm. not like if something like I don't know like I I fucking hated it. Like, the last, like, ten years, it feels like there's been a cultural shift towards, like, irony is the new hot shit, and being sincere is for dopes. And, like, I never... Yeah. I never... That doesn't jive with me. At all. No. So... It's not your thing. No. Not... I don't... I don't... I don't get it. Like, fuck... I don't fucking get it. So, like... (laughs) It feels like everyone's always too hip in their taste for the stuff I listen to or I feel like if I'm going to be like hey like even in the, even this episode which I feel like they are the best in their bracket working today like mm-hmm. people are going to hear the words pop punk and they're going to turn their fucking brains off because that's Aww. for 12 year old girls right uh, is it? <laughs> I mean like that seems uh, to be I don't know that seems to be the implication or like I'd feel like I can't talk about uh, how much I love a band like Into It Over It because, like, or, uh, like, Further Seems Forever because, like, emo is for, like, little Hot Topic sad boys who are, like, 13 have the swoopy bangs and Aww. wear, like, black mascara, right? Oh. <laughs> I like Further Seems Forever, though. Yeah, so, those I are mean... some of those records from 12 that I'm not ashamed of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's worth a try, my dude. Most things are. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. No, and that's, I mean, that's why I'm doing this, like this episode. I'm talking about something I like, and I feel like 
I don't, I don't, I say something's gonna hurt my hipster cred a lot, but really I don't have any hipster cred. <laughs> is is the truth because it's so so much of that culture is steeped in being ironic and like detached and I don't know man like it feels Things like that you were not yeah like it feels like uh, Dave Bazan once mentioned in an interview how if anything's gonna be true or is gonna be honest it's always gonna be a little bit cheesy because you're cutting around the bullshit oh so oh yeah for sure and that 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 strikes a chord with me. Uh, I I I definitely agree with that. I think there's definitely times where like you have to balance tact in in your writing and in your delivery. And I think that's important too, is that you're presenting an idea properly and in the best way possible. But not not focusing on presentation to the point that you're watering down what you're trying to get at. Your message. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was pulling up the lyrics for Passing Through a Screen Door. Uh, because it was talking okay. about... Did you get there? I, we got there. We eventually got there. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I can sometimes do more than one thing at a time. I'm very proud. The line is, uh, I'm conjuring ghosts on a 40-hour ride home, and they keep asking me what I'm doing with my life. While my cousins go to bed with their wives, I'm feeling like I'm falling behind. And that is like, that's a very straightforward, cheesy-ass line. But that's absolutely (laughs) true to my situation, both at the time and still now, where I have fucking, like, cousins getting married. And I had, I had my, I had my cousin, my youngest cousin got married a couple years back. And I had to go to, oh. I had to go to that wedding, and that was held at the church that I was raised in, and that was uncomfortable. Um, oh. And then uh, I think this is probably the best time to talk about this. Uh, I did mention this hmm. earlier while I'm going through the lyrics for the song. That uh, Dan Campbell has like these pieces of songs that he will string together from record to record, like different topics or different lines or passages or moments um yeah and in in that first verse uh they mentioned that like the next line after what I just said was well the highway one and that's a reference to a song called me versus the highway where he can't figure out if he should stay in a situation or leave a situation uh or like there Mm. there's a song, there are songs on their first record, The Upsides, or their first record, according to anything that matters. Uh, um, because again, that first record is just not—it's just not good. Somebody's gonna listen to this and gonna be like, they're gonna find it through the one year's tags and be like, "You fucking, you don't, you know what you're talking about, man." Getting fruit punched, homie, is the best song. It's the best fucking song ever, man. But uh, oh. But like there's there's a song on that first on the upsides that talks about uh, turning on the fountain in Logan Circle by where they live and how that like kind of helped the writer spark a change in an outlook um, towards trying to be a little more positive and then mm-hmm. in that next record a song starts with the fountain was off which doesn't mean anything to anybody casually, 
But to somebody who's clued into the lineage of those songs, that keys you into immediately, oh, something's wrong. Uh, yes. And that's a cool thing that, like, uh, Craig Finn from The Hold Steady does. He weaves stuff in and out of his songs, and I really dig when they do that. I think the Mountain Goats do that a little bit. Uh, John Burnell doesn't do it quite as often as Craig Finn, but I, I definitely have seen yeah. it crop up from time to time. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just a cool like device that you can't really use in another context than across like records. Yeah, like in in a like story maybe across a book series. Yeah, but then like with a book series, it's we know that it's all one concurrent story. Uh, like if you're if if you read something in the Two Towers that references something that was said in Fellowship of the Ring. Like, of course, because it's telling one overarching story. And I guess records kind of are, and that they're True. kind of snapshots of a person's life, but I've never seen them done quite the way uh, those two bands, The Wonder Years and The Whole Study, use them. At least not to such... Uh, that sort of extent. Effect. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is The Greatest Generation about? It is, uh, it's, a. it's kind of about, <laughs> it, it, it's drawing parallels to, like, the actual greatest generation, and, like, the depression in, like, the 20s and 30s, uh, and mm-hmm. where we're at now, uh, or at least were in 2013. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Uh, there's a lot of stuff specifically about like the depression. Like there's a line in a song later on in the record that talks about how it's it feels like it's 1929 and they're on the verge of a great collapse. Uh, and they mean that. Uh huh. They mean that like emotionally and psychologically, but it ties into the economic anxiety that our generation is kind of dealing with. Um, and the third song, the song that's after Passing Through a Screen Door, talks about how uh, if he dies, he wants to die in the suburbs, which is just kind of like this idea. Like, to anybody who is our age listening to this, I, I think they're they're keyed into those ideas. Where, like, we see, like, our parents and grandparents in much better economic state than we will probably ever been unless we make some drastic fucking changes. And uh, the idea yeah. of, of dying with a cushy, like in in, a, in the suburbs, with a nice like two story house with two kid, two point five kids, and a dog and a cat and a lawn, is not something that is feasible for most of our generation. Um, and that's really what they're digging at on that song. And then okay. that and then that record ends with, uh, well, before I get there, I want to talk about the. Uh, a couple more moments on the record. Uh, I do want to finish my thought about passing through a screen door because the line in the bridge where like all the pretense kind of drops. Let's see if I can just mm-hmm. read the let's see if I can just read the bridge to the listener. Okay. Uh, it's I keep a flashlight and a small knife in the corner of my bedstand. I keep a flashlight in the train times, but you wouldn't understand. How could you understand? Jesus Christ, I'm 26. All the people I've graduated with have kids, have wives, have people who care if they come home at night. Jesus Christ, did I fuck up? And it drops the Rhine scheme there at the end where it just says, did I fuck up? And uh, it, 
it might be cringy to some people, but it was really fucking effective to me uh, because I think in writing the bridge, the bridge of your song is where you drop the pretense anyway. Um, at least oh. in the way that I approach music and in the way that I, I listen to music and the music that jives with me and in the music that I write, that's where you finally say what you're going to fucking say. That's like the third act of your movie. Uh, oh. Um, so, especially keeping all those things in mind, it was really fucking effective for me. And then that draws back into the chorus and it talks about wanting to get in out of a situation as soon as you are in them. Uh, they also, I believe in that song, talk about how like all their all the kids' names they ever they've ever liked are tied to tragedy and how they don't want their children growing up to be anything like them. And I think if you like live with mental illness, you really that you can fucking feel that like at your core, <laughs> knowing that like yeah. you're gonna genetically pass this shit on to some something that you love more than yourself. And that would be heart-wrenching to, like, experience. To, like, watch a little you have to deal with all of the worst parts about yourself is fucking heavy. Yeah. I feel you. (laughs) I think a lot of us feel that. I think so, too. Yeah. That is a very effective album. I think it's my favorite of theirs, too. Um, didn't you have your drum set at your parents' house? Shortly. I get, yeah, that, uh, that, I hadn't have a drum, I, drums are kind of my instrument, uh, for the listener, where, uh, it's what I grew up playing, and I learned kind of everything else around that. I learned, uh, Yeah, for the listener, he's very good at it. I used Go to be. Go on. But thank you. I appreciate that. You might be out of practice, but you're fine. Um, so, like, <clears throat> I learned drums at a very young age. My dad just gave me a practice pad and some sticks and said, learn how to go fast. It was very Ricky Bobby. Um, <laughs> uh, so, My God, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, On a side note, aren't both of your parents still pretty evangelical? They have mellowed somewhat but not to the point to where they didn't vote for Trump in this last election. Okay, so that's them mellowed for the listener. Okay, back to the drum set. Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Electing the man accused of of sexual assault and uh, kowtowing to white nationalists is less conservative than the way they were were previously. Um, This man was chosen by Jesus. Okay. Only the white one, though. Only so the, you had your drum only set. Only the white ones, yeah. Um, I had, yeah, I just <laughs> bought, I had a drum set for the first time in, God, I don't know how long. Uh, I think it felt longer than it actually was, but probably about five or six years. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. No, more than that, because I probably would have been about, well, when I was living at your mom's house, I was uh-huh. 18, 19. Yep. And uh, so was I. And <laughs> and it was We're basically the same age. Yeah, you're a few months younger than I am. My drum set I think shortly after I had moved back in with my parents after that was 
starting to degrade. Um, my old drum set, like, uh, I broke a lot of my cymbals, and I couldn't afford to replace them, uh, because I hit the shit out of them. I, just, I played hard as fuck. Um, not, uh-huh. not as hard as, not hard to the point that I didn't understand dynamics, but like, yeah, we had, we, we both know somebody who played drums irrespective of dynamics. Um, yeah. And it wasn't like that, but. You really did Ricky Bobby it, didn't you? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that was, that was a mess. And then I got a new drum set after I had moved back in. I had, I put a little bit of money away and I used, I think some Christmas money and I finally had a drum set that I could play nice. again. Um, it's a real nice fucking drum set and it's stacked up in my corner of my room right now. It's got it's green. It's beautiful. I fucking love Ooh. that thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, shortly after that I got sick and then couldn't, didn't have the energy to spend on that kind of thing. Um, oh. so yeah. Uh, one more thing well, that I, uh, so how did we get on drums? How did we get on drums? How did you get us on drums? Um, I'm not sorry, or I would apologize. So, you had moved in with your parents. Mm-hmm. You were listening to The Greatest Generation. Sure. You bought yourself a new drum set? Yes. Oh, okay. But then you got sick. Yeah. Was it like a slow slide that would happen? Like, food started getting cut out? Yeah, I had to slowly and start cutting out more and more of the stuff in my diet uh, to where, um, for most of that, like, I was eating, like, pho maybe a couple times a yeah. week. Um, I had to start figuring out. I visited, out. and I went for pho. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, God, I miss pho. And then I would, like... A lot of rice dishes, uh, popcorn shrimp for mm-hmm. a little bit at the beginning, but that had to go pretty quick. Um, yeah. Rice from P.F. Chang's. Oh, yeah, I ate a lot of rice from Chang's. It was just like, just white rice. Just just white rice. Some some soy sauce, and then I had to cut out the... Yeah, then I had to cut out the soy sauce, and it was just white rice, and it was like a little bit of salt to oh, help get it down. Sake. Yeah. And then I had to cut was out the rice. Was that when you were still working... Yeah, I was, I was, I worked, uh, I was running the stock room at American Eagle at that point in time. Oh, yeah. I got that new Had job. Have you been doing that for like a while? I got, that was a new job. I got that new job right after I left that apartment. Uh, because I was looking for somewhere a little closer to, uh, as far as my commute goes, just somewhere a little bit closer, driving mm-hmm. back and forth every day. So I got a job on the yeah. other end of Tulsa rather than... Uh, the opposite end of where I was coming from. Yeah, so you didn't have to drive across the whole city to get to work. Word. Uh, so I was doing that. Just part of it. And then uh, they, mm-hmm. so they were like, my job was an interesting thing because I, I got sick while I was working there. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of, they, I really appreciate them because they understood my situation and they saw like. I I had woken up, passed out on the bathroom floor a couple times at work, uh, because of it. Oh. So they 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 were kind of a part. They kind of saw what was going on, and they were kind of a party to everything. And under, they kind of saw the so slow slide of my health. 
uh, and we're really understanding um, as much as a corporation and the people at the behest of a corporation could be they were understanding about my situation I appreciate that that location had to close and I did not go back to work after that location closed in 2015 um, because at that point I was only able to work a couple hours a day max and mm-hmm. uh, and if I got had a flare up and I got sick, it would I would be out sometimes days at a time, sometimes a week or more at a time, uh, out of commission where I just couldn't do anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a thing. Um, I remember talking to you about that. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, it just seemed really tough to try to look for a job so you just uh what can you do honestly uh yeah i, I wish you'd had insurance at american eagle or something oh uh, what now you know insurance oh yeah i didn't have i like the second that i went to go to apply for insurance they stopped offering insurance for my position uh that i was working at there at the time what yeah like as soon as i went to like apply they were like yeah you uh you don't we don't do that no more <laughs> like they oh, stopped man. they stopped right when i went to apply that sucks yeah it wasn't fun no like you still sort of had indian healthcare or like healthcare through creek nation i guess is the actual way to put it yeah right that's something but I it's mean, not great. Can you talk a little bit about how... Mm, how what? Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I just wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about, like, what the Indian healthcare is and how it works for those listeners who do not uh, live in Oklahoma. Well, for if you, if you have a certain degree of native lineage, uh, I think... Blood quantum. Yes, okay. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, you have to have, like, a certain percentage of of native lineage to receive the benefits. Yeah. Like, I'm the last in my family that qualifies for it. Like, if I have kids, they don't qualify. My brother's kid does not qualify. Um, right. Unless... you married a native person. Correct. Unless you, you marry into somebody who has uh, a higher degree of that lineage than you do. And therefore, you're, yeah. or 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 you adopt somebody who meets the blood quantum levels. Correct. Um, yeah. So anyway. yeah, if so, it's like it's like it's like state-run healthcare. It's not fantastic. It could it could definitely be better. Uh, there's it's just not being run very well currently. Uh, the no. Uh, your mom worked for Crink Nation for a while there. She sure did. For more she than a while. She worked for their mental health department. Yeah. Right. Until she quit and like 30 people walked out in solidarity with her, which was fuck wild. But Hell anyway. Yeah. Right? I love that. <laughs> I, 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 go ahead. <laughs> no, go on. Um, I had a I liked. I just like telling this story of. I was in like. Uh, I think I was in high school or was I in junior high. Either way, I think I was in high school. 
but we had to trek to junior high to get to the classroom for this particular class because they only had one. That's where the room was. Anyway, uh, right. it was it was our drama teacher, and we had a drama club after class, and the drama teacher hated me. Uh, oh, like, she just did not like me at all, uh, and. Uh, during the drama club after class one day, uh, we were all hanging out and, like, she just got so frustrated with me, she told me to leave and, like, like, escorted me out of the room. And on my way out, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Solidarity! Stand up for Daniel! And, like, everybody else just left. (laughs) Everybody else just left with me. And I I think that was my first experience with collective bargaining. (laughs) That's beautiful. <laughs> was me just a rabble rouser yeah, in the me, back, like solidarity with Dan. You're Dan. I'm the Dan. Nice it was me. It was me being like, "Don't let him do this to me." I mean him. <laughs> Perfect. Collective bargaining. Uh, yeah. Fuck off, teacher. For God's was, sake, leave those kids alone. Um, yeah. next time on mindful self-indulgence no though like i'm not it's not a race to the bottom i know more i'm not going to discredit what i went through in my trauma because somebody else had it worse and i hate it when people do that i hate it when people are like well x and y had things way worse than me so i shouldn't complain as a way of not uh like acknowledging if not actively um confronting that trauma like it's help you need to do that yeah. um you don't need yeah. to act like because other people had it worse it's oh you like you shouldn't complain about it or feel like you're not worth uh, that conversation or that amount of like emotional labor being put forth like you you totally are yeah. anybody listening to this like please if you, any amount of like verbal emotional uh if you come from my type of background, spiritual, any abuses of any of those types, uh, and, and obviously sexual abuse, uh, which, Jesus fucking Christ, this fucking country, man. Um, Tell yeah, me about it. All that shit is, is valid, and please, please talk to people when you're ready about that, and if you don't feel ready to talk, don't let people pressure you into it, but it's it's healthy to externalize yeah, things. Yeah, like... Don't talk yourself out of it either, because I did that for years, because I was like, oh, people had it way worse. Lizard, 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 lizard. I hope this isn't still recording. I guess we'll fucking find out.